our last presentation was um, certainly uh, much more more um, heavy on Bible study, which is honestly where I'm happiest. But um, what we want to do for this presentation is just talk a little bit about organization. Um, I see a, <laughs> at least one person doesn't sound very happy about that. <laughs> or it just might be, you know, when we talk about organizing, uh, not everybody is born with the skill of organization, right? Some of us, we, some of us are visionaries. Some of us just kind of like to dream big and just run and do whatever meets us. Well, we need visionaries. We need people who are action-oriented. We need those who, who can just take an idea and, and go with it, and they're done with it before you can even, you know, say thank you. Um, but we also need organization. Now, this is another area that I'm particularly fond of because I tend to be a lot more organized. I tend to work better. I function better when things are in order. When there's disorder, I'm very frustrated and I feel almost immobilized. And there's good reason for why we should do things decently and in order. But let's pray as we begin. Father in heaven, Lord, we desire the order of heaven. So we ask for your wisdom and your guidance in this talk today. Amen. All right. Now, so what I want to do with this presentation, this is not the most exciting or thrilling presentation, I'll be honest, because it's very just kind of lists of things to think about. Okay. But let's set the stage. Luke 14, verse 28. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? We, yeah, it's, it's, the font is very light, but um, I think it'll get better later on. Um, we have a, a presentation going on simultaneously about, I think it's 10 ways to make sure your ministry doesn't fail at the beginning. You know, many times, um, I, well, let's say, let's put it this way. Time is short. We are living in the last days. We are living in the toenails of Daniel 2, right? We are living at the very cusp of eternity. And not only that, but unto us has been given only three score and ten to complete much work. And we have a burden for the work, don't we? We really want things to be done and done fast, <laughs> quickly, because we want to see Jesus. This, this situation brings up a bit of a, a, a normal tension when it comes to talking about programs, about ministry, about events, about how we do things 
in the church even. Because we know that we're supposed to finish the work right away, get it done, hasten the Lord's coming. And yet at the same time, why do we see ministries fail after a short period of time? Why do things burn out? Why do things fizzle? Why is it that every few years we're reinventing? We're starting all over again where someone else had already built a foundation. <coughs> Finding that balance between making sure we are doing things for the long term, but for the short term? How do we even think about that? I'll be honest, I don't have the answers for that. But what I can say is that Christ has told us, sit down, count the cost before you even start and see if you can actually accomplish what you set out to do. Very important that before we, we begin our projects, or, and even in the middle of our projects, our ministries, we need to assess how are we doing. And so today we're going to spend a little bit of time going through some of those things. And we're going to go fairly quickly, but we'll try to get as much information out here. Here's another quote. This is Patriarchs and Prophets, page 376. God is a God of order. Everything connected with heaven is in perfect order. Subjection and thorough discipline mark the movements of the angelic host. Success can only attend order and harmonious action. Wow. God requires order and system in his work now no less than in the days of Israel, all who are working for him are to labor intelligently, not in a careless, haphazard manner. He would have his work done with faith and exactness, that he may place the seal of his approval on it. Oh, makes it sound a little bit more important now, doesn't it? That we have order in what we do and how we do it. Evangelism, page 94. It is essential to labor with order, following an organized plan and a definite object. No one can properly instruct another unless he sees to it that the work to be done shall be taken hold of systematically and in order so that it may be done at the proper time. I highlighted three components, an organized plan, a definite object, and proper time. Important that we consider all three of those aspects as we are planning and implementing. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how to assess needs and opportunities for our work that we want to do. We're going to talk about having goals and objectives. Some of us, may, we may think of this as mission statements. Planning and implementation, how to actually do those in an orderly way. And then evaluation, 
oftentimes evaluation is an aspect of our ministries that we neglect to do, maybe because we're too busy, maybe because we didn't plan for it in the beginning, but it's an important piece because how do we know that we're achieving what we want to achieve? So we're going to go through each of these. Assessing needs and opportunities. Starting point is very, very important. Know your audience. Who are you talking to? What are their needs? If we are talking to individuals about something that is completely unrelated to what their life is dealing with, then it's not going to affect them. One example, uh, when I first arrived in Guam, some of our, our education classes, and this is, um, I'm just sharing what happened, not to you know, criticize at all, but what was happening is that in our lifestyle class, we were teaching specifics about diabetes, but not everybody attending the class had diabetes. So for those portions of the program, they wouldn't show up. And we lost half of the class halfway through the program. So we need to make sure that we're speaking to their needs. So know our audience. What is the geographical area like? You know, if, if they're living in the mountains and they don't have cars, you know, to, to get to your program, where are you going to have the program? What are you going to, what kind of uh, lifestyle does that, does that mean that they have? Uh, what is the age group? What is the primary gender that we want to target? Oftentimes, it's the woman who cooks at home or, pre or prepares the meals. So if we're talking about healthy cooking, who do we target? Um, the ethnicity is very important as well because there are certain cultures also that come along with our different ethnic groups. Economic status, of course. You know, if we're teaching them how to make wonderful vegan food, but they have to spend $50 on buying these very expensive ingredients or they have to buy a, a $400 equipment, they're going to say, thanks, but that's not really helpful if they don't have the resources. But then if you're working in a very wealthy community, they may be ready to put that money out if it's going to make life easy for them. So know your audience. What's the education level? You know, for some individuals, we can tell them, all the details about, about um, chemistry and, and how all of these various uh, interactions happen in our body, but for others, we're going to lose them. What is the history, the values, the traditions of the community? History is very important because people want to know. When you can tell someone, oh, I've, I've heard about that. Can you tell me more about it? You know. It's another way of associating with people, opening up to their history, knowing what has affected them. For example, we've had some flooding recently in the past few months. Knowing that that's, that's something that they're dealing with right away, we know what are some of the needs we can help to fill. Uh, trends and interests. There's a you know, lots of craves, especially talking about diet, different diet programs. Knowing about these so that we know how to address them is very important. Um, speaking as a dietitian, 
I can say that fad diets don't work. They work for a short time, but they are not a lifestyle. And some of them are actually very, very dangerous. So the more we're aware of these, the more we're able to educate and address what some of them may be dealing with. Um, okay, where do they get their food? That's really important, especially if you're educating about food. Where, if all they have, we, we have in the United States what are called food deserts. These are basically areas where they cannot pr uh, purchase fresh produce. All they have is maybe a corner drugstore where the freshest food is processed canned foods or frozen burgers or things like that. Or, or maybe the fast food chain. That's the closest they get to a salad, is the sprinkling of lettuce in the burger. You know, so we need to be aware of what are those challenges that they, fa they face. It's important to network with community leaders as well because we can learn a lot from the community leaders. Of course, some of those community leaders you must work through them, for example, in a Native American population. Those community leaders are your gatekeepers. And if you don't work with them, nobody is going to come near you. You must work with them. Um, that's true in many other communities as well. <clears throat> some, some churches are very influential, non-Adventist churches. Other Christian faith groups are very influential leaders in their community. Sometimes we need to go talk to them and say, we have a health program we'd love to offer you. Here's what it's about. This is another reason why the health work is, can be an opening wedge, because everybody needs to know about health, right? Okay, how to assess community needs. Talk with your community leaders. This is important. Um, because they are probably aware of their community's needs as well. They probably know um, a lot of the history, a lot of the background, uh, what people will be receptive to, what are the best ways to reach the community, what's the best time to reach the community. They may know these answers and you won't have to spend a lot of time and, and money trying to find out. Doing community surveys, if any of you have uh, have been to something like GYC or you've gone through a Bible worker training program or perhaps you're even at Wildwood, you go out into the community with a short survey and say, do you need this or that or the other thing? Doing things like that can be useful too. You know, maybe go out into um, popular places, maybe the park, maybe the, uh, the local mall, the grocery stores, and and tell them that you sincerely, you're here to help and serve the community and you want to find out what the community needs. Another way, which I think is wonderful, is to just walk around your, the neighborhood or drive around and pay attention. What do they have? Do they have sidewalks? Because if they don't, it may deter them from getting physical activity. Do they have a park? Is it clean? Is it safe? Is it well lit? Because if not, they're not gonna send the children out there to play at night. What's the crime like? Is it dangerous to be out after 6 p.m.? Because then you don't wanna have your program at 7 p.m. What, uh, what, what are the grocery stores like? Is there a hospital nearby? 
um, liquor stores. How many of those are in the area? Fast food restaurants. What are the challenges that the community is facing? Knowing the community and just by keeping your eyes open, looking to see what the needs are. Okay, online health data. Uh, you can find a lot of information about cancer in this area just by searching online, going to um, the, the government websites, finding that kind of a data. In fact, um, our churches in New York, I was just there a couple weeks ago, they have found a, a portion of New York City that is dealing with a very specific type of diabetes. And so now they're working to, to target that specific type of diabetes in that area. So looking at what are the specific diseases that the region needs help with. Um, it is, um, the name just slipped out of my, my mind. It's, um, it's named for uh, actually after the region of New York. Um, the name will come to me later, so. <laughs> In the city, it's in in the city itself. But considering it's nutritional in nature, because if it's a dynamic of a certain population, it may be the type of nutrition they get. They're they're looking at all of the different factors. Yeah, so they're working on that. But I'm let's let's keep going. That's okay. I will if I remember the name of it. I will I will let you know. Again, the felt needs and the real needs. Um, we've addressed this quite a bit in the previous. Uh, talk so knowing what the felt needs are not ignoring them making sure you're working with them as well but also trying to assess the, the real needs and helping them realize what their real needs are many of us don't know what our real needs are such as the nobleman in the story we talked about okay now what about so that's the community but what about us what about those of us who are working, who are trying to do this work? We also need to know what we can do. Because if we can't provide for what is needed, then it's best not to try to do something that we can't do. It's okay to admit that. Because that just means there's some other work the Lord wants us to do. Maybe we're the person to connect someone else who can fill that need. That's okay as well. So doing a, what's called a SWOT analysis for your own ministry is one useful way of figuring out, can you meet those needs? This is addressing what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, what are your opportunities, and what are your threats? So identify the internal and external, external factors that may affect your success. This way you can also tailor, you may have to change something about your, your team before you can actually start implementing. That may be your first step. Or you may have to just kind of refocus because you're not able to provide for a particular need. This also helps to identify your goals and your objectives when you do this analysis. And I know this takes a little bit of time, but it's important to know what you can actually do. So here are some questions. By the way, I will provide these slides 
to Audioverse too, so you can get these from there as well. So you don't have to write everything down. So some of the strengths, questions you can ask, what do you do well? What resources do you have? What do others see as your strengths? That's also a great way to learn about your own strengths. Weaknesses, what are areas that you need improvement on? What are the resources that you lack? Not just money, but what are other things that you need? Uh, teaching tools, education material, what other things? Um, what, are, what are others likely to see as your weaknesses as well? Again, bounce some ideas off of someone else. Opportunities, what are those opportunities that are coming up to you? Okay, what are those things that are happening? What trends are there? And then how can you turn your strengths into opportunities? Hmm. How can you take the things you do really well and forge an opportunity of working, of using that? Okay. Threats, what could harm your program? What regulations restrict you? I don't want to think of regulations necessarily as threats but as maybe barriers or things to consider, to, things to plan around. What threats do your weaknesses expose you to? Okay, if you have a team that's not very cohesive, that could be a threat to anything you do, right? Okay, so those are assessing the needs. Goals and objectives. <clears throat> The purposes of the goals and the objectives is one thing is it helps you to really define the, pro the, the problem. When you can de clearly define what the issue is, you're better able to make sure you're, you're meeting it. For example, in a, um, a ministry that I was part of years ago, um, we, we, had to, we had an issue of just getting new leadership garnering new leadership and so we couldn't figure out what was the problem what was really trying to what was the issue with getting the new leadership so we had to start defining some goals about training and that training opportunities helped us then to identify the issues of developing leadership so find out what your goals are define them clearly so that you can help really reach the problems that you you may have gives you workable steps as well this is important to help you know okay how am I going to get there how we're going to reach our goal directs your decision-making this is huge and also clarifies your identity and purpose also helps to keep your team focused and united you know there are so many needs <laughs> we all know that right there's so many things that need to be done but we don't have to think that we have to achieve all of it on our own. What we need to do is figure out, Lord, what is the purpose of our ministry? What do you want us to achieve with this? And we need to stay focused. You know, Christ had three and a half years of ministry. Now, he could have just turned everything upside down he didn't even need three and a half years but he had a very specific purpose for his life on earth and he stayed focused to that 
we know that there were several times where the disciples themselves wanted to crown him king and he he shut them down when when uh, there was a threat to his life prior to his time of death that when he knew he had to die which is prophesied right he knew the timing of his death when there were threats beforehand he disappeared he knew his mission he knew his purpose he knew the timing and he did not let anything distract from that we need to be focused we don't have to do everything but if we can do one thing really well we've achieved our purpose okay goals um, goals are typically broad general intangible abstract you know this is kind of like the broad mission statement <coughs> excuse me for example establish the church as a center for health evangelism you know these are broad you know those kind of exciting things that you want to you want to establish to make happen for the long term and then your objectives are what bring the specifics in your objectives are much more measurable and specific these are the things that you want to say these are the steps of how we're going to get to our goal so make them smart meaning they're specific they're measurable you know within um, within six months we are going to train two church members to on how to do a cooking school very specific short-term measurable there's a definite goal um, <clears throat> conduct community surveys in 60% of homes by the end of all you know so very very specific and these are going to help you build up towards your ultimate goal learning objectives when you um, establish a especially a teaching program this is very important that you have learning objectives you need to know what you're trying to teach them because it's very easy to kind of go off into many tangents that don't necessarily address what you're trying to teach them it's good for them to know what they are going to gain out of out of the lesson and it's good for you to know what you're trying to teach them from the lesson as well so have learning objectives if you have multiple days of a program have a learning objective for each day as well again this takes quite a bit of effort and pre-planning but it's important to make sure that you're really reaching your targets begin your objective with a verb we'll learn how to cook tofu i don't know uh, students will will know how to exercise effectively for their age group you know make it something that's very actionable okay planning and implementation uh, a lot of work should go into the pl planning of course and putting things together here's a short checklist of different things you want to take into account as you're establishing something um, timeline is very important 
Again, remember the quote from earlier about things should be done at a specific time. So having a timeline for when you're going to do things. Making sure you have a good venue. Your personnel are trained and equipped. The actual program, food demos if you have those, handouts, what materials the, the attendees are going to get. Uh, advertising is something that we often neglect or it's often the last thing we do. But advertising is how we let people know that we have something to offer them. And there are many different ways of advertising. Some are free, such as social media. Uh, there may be some free newspaper uh, columns that you could put events on if it's a free event. So use, utilize what's there in the community. Again, as you do a community survey, you'll find out what works in that community as well. Uh, registration process, a way of keeping track of the people that come to your programs, um, knowing how to follow up with them. So make sure you have a way of keeping record. Who's coming? Did they miss a class? Why? So you can go back and follow up with them. These are ways to make sure, to help you know your participants, know the people you're trying to reach. So have some kind of way of keeping a record. And of course, your budget. <laughs> that's at the bottom of the list, but often that's the driving force, isn't it? So plan for it beforehand. Now, we don't have time. I do have a slide on each one of those issues. And again, you can get these slides later. So I'm just going to click through them to get to the very end here. Um, additional suggestions. Take photos and videos. Record what you're doing because someday you're going to want to share this with someone. So make sure you have good records of what you're doing. Have a graduation celebration. Again, it can be very simple or it can be more elaborate. Some of the graduations we did in Guam, we actually had a Friday night Vespers. And so it was a beautiful way to introduce them to the Sabbath and, and fellowshipping together to, to begin the Sabbath. Um, write for local newspapers, your conference magazines, get the word out. Evaluation, very important, but we're going to skip this because we're out of time. But it's very important to make sure that your program met its objectives. Sit back, find out where are the areas for improvement. Did you meet the needs of the community? What did you learn more about the community as you were doing that? Um, <clears throat> we have some information here on different types of evaluation, pre and post tests, learning object uh, to learn if they actually learned what you wanted them to learn. Give them a, t a little short little quiz at the beginning to assess their knowledge of the information. Give them the same test at the end to see if they learned anything. Okay, uh, let's see. Evaluate the program. Have individuals also give their feedback about your program. You will learn a lot from them about, okay, this didn't work so well. This was great. I love the cooking demos, but, you know, this wasn't so great. I didn't like the exercise. You know, just get feedback. Help them improve your, let them help you improve your program.
And then of course, get together with your team and regroup, reflect, see what can be done better the next time. There's always room for improvement. It doesn't mean we failed, we did badly. It just means we're learning that God is revealing to us better and more effective ways of reaching our community. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.